Bienvenidos, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Puentes, your bridge to all things primary care in New Mexico. I'm Mario Lozal, and I'll be your guide on this journey where we hear from the people that make primary care special in our beautiful state. On today's episode, we trace the 10-year journey of the New Mexico Primary Care Training Consortium. From its humble beginnings to its vision for the future, there's no better way to kick off Puentes than by building a bridge to the past and future with the help of our esteemed guests, Dr. John Andazola, ex-president of the Executive Board of Directors, whose leadership steered the consortium through its formative years, and Dr. William Mack Bowen, the torchbearer leading us forward. Together, they'll shed light on a decade of commitment, challenges, triumphs, and the road ahead for the NMPCTC and primary care in New Mexico. So whether you're on the open roads of our state, cozy at home with a cup of Pinon coffee, or anywhere in between, let's cross this bridge together. This is Puentes. Gentlemen, how are you today? Great, great, great. Excited to be here. Uh, a little nervous, but good to go. Doing well. Thanks, Mario. Excellent. So really quick, uh, if you can give us of uh, an idea about your backgrounds and how you became involved with the consortium. That's a that's a that's a good question. So I'm I'm John Andazola. I was actually born and raised here in in New Mexico, and uh, I am the recent past um, program director of the Southern New Mexico Family Medicine Program in Las Cruces. And you know that's really kind of how I got hooked up with the consortium. Um, Wow, Mario, do you want me to tell you the whole history and how how I got hooked up and how that work, works and stuff? Because I could. So, um, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit. And we want to. We could come back to it and get in some some depth. But initially, um, all program directors, and they still are, are members of the New Mexico Academy of Family Physicians um, board of directors, and we would meet. Um, um, quarterly with the New Mexico Academy of Family Physicians and the program directors would break off and kind of have their own little meeting to talk about their programs and how things were going, you know, and talk about struggles, etc. And um, Charlie Alfaro knew about that. And Charlie Alfaro has been, quite frankly, a, a an incredible asset to the state of New Mexico in rural medicine and and he was really thinking about how he can help um, develop and sustain programs throughout the state. And he approached the program directors that were meeting regularly and said, hey, let's formally, let's get this formalized. Let's get this formalized into its own organization. And let's do some planning and some organization where we can help the programs that exist to be sustainable and then help develop new programs. And his insight was, was that if you can train a doctor in a community, they're likely to stay in that community. And so, you know, what can we do to do this? So in 2010, um, he um, sustained a grant that was was the seed money to start this, um, this consortium. And that's kind of how I started. And that's kind of how it, uh, that's how I got connected. So um, just been, you know, um, Part of the program ever since we did some um, vis mission, mission vision that sort of thing initially goal setting initially, and then he convinced me to be president. So I was the I was the uh, the guy who didn't say no and was the uh, um, founding president and basically until this year. So um, 
and it, and it's exciting to think about where we've come from then since then. So my history will be will be shorter <laughs> because I um, I've been part of the consortium for four years now. Um, originally, I'm a New Yorker, so I'm a New Mexico transplant. Um, which has been just absolutely beautiful learning about the culture and the history um, and, and as a, a director. And so um, I got hooked up with the consortium in 2019 when I um, was identified as, as kind of stepping into the PD role um, under the mentorship of Dr. Regalis, who was also one of the founding members and prior program director of our um, UNM Santa Fe program. So um, when I started to get more involved and was rising into the PD role, he said, you really, you should be a part of this consortium. Um, didn't really know what I was getting into in terms of what it was all about, uh, but under the mentorship of, of John and others like Dan Waldman um, and Charlie Alfaro, of course, um, have just been learning more about the mission and participating in meetings over the years, um, networking with all the all of the folks who um, make up the consortium and and kind of our ally partner organizations and um, have been absolutely loving the work. And so um, because I absolutely share the passion of Dr. Andazola and, and the founding fathers, um, I have run for the the position of of you know board president and i'm uh, very happy to become more involved in the, the inner workings of the consortium one of the things that you mentioned was just this idea that you know you train the doctors here they stay here uh was that always kind of the main goal of the consortium so the AAMC, and i don't even know what that stands for association of medical colleges american association i don't know but um, it, it um, the AAMC every year tracks um, residency medical school graduates and and tracks where they where they go to practice in their initial year, and this is decades old data and year after year after year they show that physicians tend to stay where where they graduate residency, and really the big the the big one is if you graduate residency, if there's about a fifty percent chance that you're going to stay um, in the state or within a hundred mile region, depending on how you look at that data. Um, if you graduate medical school, it's only about 35%. But what's interesting, if you graduate medical school and residency in that same community, there's like a 70% retention rate. Now, different specialties have higher retention rates and other specialties have lower retention rates, you know, and, uh, and family medicine tends to be about a 60% um, retention rate, you know, and I'm proud to say like um, the residencies that Mac and I um, both are associated with in Santa Fe and Las Cruces have retention rates that hover around 70%. Um, um, so, you know, that's, it's, it's been demonstrable nationally and it's definitely been demonstrable and reproducible here in New Mexico. And so with that knowledge, I think Charlie Alfaro, who was really the, the founder of, of this organization, was thinking, you know, gosh, can how can I get docs training in my community? How can I get docs training in um, Silver City and Española and, and in Hobbs and 
you know, instead of just the main um, cities along the the Rio Grande corridor, you know, how can I get these docks in these communities? And, was, and knowing that data is like, let me build those programs. And so part of that was developing the New Mexico Primary Care Training Consortium to really think about how we do that and take some, you know, strategic steps to do that. So um, I'm going to tell you a story about Charlie, and it might be it might be true. Um, it might not be true. <laughs> um, I've heard this story, and I've not ever heard it ref- heard it refuted. But um, Charlie um, Alfaro is from New York City, and he came out west to get educated and settled in Los Cru- in Silver City, and has lived in various places throughout the state. But the story goes that one day he was traveling through Lordsburg, and he was ill, and he needed to see a doctor. And so he pulled over in Lordsburg to seek medical care. And they said, no, we don't have a doctor. And he goes, well, you have like a hospital. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but we don't, we don't, it doesn't work. It's not functional. We don't have doctors. In fact, the whole county has no physicians. And he started Hidalgo Medical Services in Hidalgo County to have doctors there. And it grew into a large federally qualified health center not only in Hidalgo, but also in Grant County and is, was a very impactful organization that he headed up. And then he had difficulty retra- I mean, um, retaining physicians and recruiting physicians, just like everybody does to small communities. And he knew about this idea and started a residency in Silver City, New Mexico, uh, that was associated with the same time we grew the NMPCTC. And it's like, you know, the the vision of really getting doctors to care for these communities that have nothing. And not only that, it's the vision of um, not only having a place for people to work, it's it's training the physicians in those places that and they stay there and they they grow that. And I think it's it's a it's a great story. And Charlie just smiles and kind of like ignores me when I talk about that. But whether it's true or not, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think that's that's our vision. It's how do we get docs to these communities to serve these communities? And I think that's really the, that's really the, the, the crux and where the rubber hits the road and what we're trying to do. I love that story. And I, I believe every ounce of that because Charlie's one of those guys that once he has an experience that's informative, puts his mind to something and creates a vision and makes it come true uh so i believe i believe every word (laughs) um i would echo um a lot of john's sentiments that a lot of the incentives are to really keep docs in these academic ivory towers in big cities and um graduate medical education gme uh for short you might hear us allude to the funding and finances are all perverse and they they don't make much logical sense. They don't get updated frequently. Um, Congress doesn't pay much attention to these issues. Um, and so the staying where you train thing is very much an entrenched financial system. Um, you know, institutions like academic centers don't have any incentive to allow their residents out into rural communities to, to do an audition rotation. Um, oftentimes they need their, their service, you know, all the time to make the, the hospitals go. And so, um, you only see what, you know, and less and less, um, as, 
healthcare becomes an employed field rather than a self-employed field, and less docs are um, willing to hang a shingle just because it's so um, it's so complicated to start your own business in healthcare now. More and more docs are employed by these large health systems, um, and increasingly those are those are in cities and rural communities are are put out. Um, we do need to break out of that model. Um, and as John alluded to, we have much better success uh, than uh, large urban centers in getting uh, folks into rural practice. So, you know, we're laser focused at trying to figure out how to break down those barriers for the communities that can engage in residency education. Um, for those who can't, how do we get residents to pay attention to those communities as well um, and think outside of the box and supporting these community-based programs, because even with an academic affiliation, it's hard enough to staff, to attend, um, to provide high-level curriculum and educational experiences that um, fulfill the ACGME requirements. And so the consortium uh, has a lot of institutional knowledge that's very place-specific. Um, it's very specific to overcoming these shared barriers that we have regardless of what corner of the state we're in um, and and tap into that hive mind and institutional knowledge now with all this history um, we all have common barriers in training residents and hearing how dr andazola and dr waldman and, and regalis and uh, nelson had done them before um, and help new programs uh, and existing programs to get around some of the challenges that we all share. So it's been an incredible uh, resource for me and other young leaders coming up to try to um, get around certain challenges. Yeah, that's very interesting. Cause I know uh, I'll say from my time, you know, I've been with a consortium for two years. And uh, in that time, one of the struggles I think has been kind of maintaining these residencies, right? So. Like we have residencies that are open and they're in rural parts and then we see them uh, close, unfortunately. But then, you know, there's always this there's always this drive, you know, to to bring that residency back. And I think that's something that is definitely a valuable part of what we do. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I think everything that Max said was really it was, you know, like it hits the nail on the head. A, a big part of the consortium is is bringing resources to a resource poor area, enough resources to a resource poor area so that they can train physicians there. Cause it's hard, right? So if you're an academic medical center, you have you have a depth that of resources that you don't have in a rural hospital, right? Or a rural FQHC, right? And so trying to find those academic resources, well, where's your statistician or where's your library services or, um, you know, sometimes it's basic stuff like somebody to talk to about writing a curriculum or somebody to talk to about um, an evaluation tool. And so if if the NMPCTC can help fill those voids and help provide resources and then um, to to community programs, that's a big part of what we want to do and what we do do. And I think the other thing is connection, like some rural programs may have an incredible cardiologist in their community that's a great teacher, but no dermatologist. And they need to figure out how to 
how to train that. And another community has the opposite situation, has a great dermatologist, but no cardiologist. And so the collaboration between the organizations, between the community programs um, increases resource. And I think um, that's another strategy that that we've had is like, how do we connect to each other and share what limited resources we have to maintain a sustainable program? And I think, I think those are, that's a, that's another major structure because we know the value of these programs, but it's like, how do you actually do it? And so that's, that's part of that strategy. Really resonates with me, what you said about connection, because being a program director is often very lonely. You have myriad challenges that feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Um, you have a, a lack of mentorship oftentimes of, of just local, uh, you know, local mentors and um, often get into to kind of the what ifs and you, and you don't know who to turn to. And so having this immediate group of mentors who know actually what you're struggling with uh, or sim very similar um, is an absolutely incredible resource. And um, I've used it so many times as a young PD. Um, and I am so happy to continue to, to, to contribute in that fashion because, you know, faculty burnout is a real issue too. And so how do we develop uh, new leadership and support new leadership? Um, because as you mentioned, you know, administration, sometimes our um, administrators at hospitals don't always see the value in what we're doing or don't always agree in the value of what we're doing. And so it can often feel like you're, we're fighting this perpetual battle that's uphill. Um, and despite all the good that we know that we're doing in our hearts, uh, we can sometimes, you know, be on the losing end of, of these um discussions when when programs end up closing uh, and that's sadly the reality in much of rural america as hospital systems buy up and consolidate and um, you know family medicine is not the most lucrative of specialties as we all know but it's the one that's evidence-based proven to save lives and add money back into the community prevent hospitalizations uh, prevent complications of, of disease states. And so this is an incredibly important bipartisan uh, victory for our state. Whenever we can land a residency of primary care in a community, we know we will move the needle on public health measures. We will improve the wellness of that community. Um, and so that's why I think we're so passionate about what it is that we do. I was thinking, I was thinking about when Mac was talking about like um, some other values that we bring, because Mac was mentioned like, um, I guess I want to talk about educating the value of primary care to, to administrators. That sounds crazy. And it, when we talk about some of the barriers, um, one of the barriers that Mac mentioned was just like the the lack of knowledge and the lack of value that family medicine brings, that primary care brings to a community, brings to an FKHC, brings to a hospital. And, um, you know, there are very lucrative specialties out there and a hospital will say, wow, gosh, if I train this cardiothoracic surgeon, I'm going to make this much more money than if I train a family doctor. But really where the rubber hits the road is where 
we prevent the, the patients from needing that cardiothoracic surgeon, right? And we keep them healthy and keep them in their community. Um, and I think, I think understanding that value is really important and then bringing more value. And I think that's one thing that NMPCTC has been able to do. Um, not only are we training physicians that bring value to the community and actually, quite frankly, brings revenue to the community. And I hate talking about those kind of things because that's not what it's supposed to be about, even though that is kind of what it is about, right? And, um, but we have, the NMPCTC has worked with the state of New Mexico because the state of New Mexico has a goal of, of a healthy community and reducing cost and improving wellness. And so the state of New Mexico has worked with the NMPCTC or we've worked with the state to really revamp um, graduate medical education in the state of New Mexico. And we were able to get significant changes to the funding streams, funding streams using Medicaid dollars and really innovative ideas, but it created a flow of money to hospitals and federally qualified health centers, decentralizing the money that was only going to the academic medical centers and allowing that money to flow into communities to grow residency programs. And I think that's a really good example of um, reducing a barrier and increasing value. And then when you wanna talk about, when you wanna talk about administrators who are really tied to the value they bring, you can say, look at the value that comes with this, you know? Um, and I think those are some, those are some extra pieces of the puzzle that NMPCTC has been like front and center with 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 that ever since ever since our establishment we've been working on some of these things but it's you know it's come it's come to fruition and because of that programs are developing and that I think is exciting and that's kind of the next chapter of where we're going I think it's it's really exciting in terms of this next chapter I mean what do you what do you see as the ideal goals, the ideal outcomes for primary care in New Mexico and what the NMPCTC is doing? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would like Mac to <laughs> answer <laughs> this. I mean, I'm glad to help, but, you know, Mac has assumed the the board chair position. And, you know, that was that was kind of an intentional, important thought because we're moving forward and we need to continue with the you know, continue developing the vision and and leadership of, of our organization and bringing that blood and vision for the next the next chapter. Um, I think I think, Mac, you're, you're, you're tasked with that, dude. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'll be I'll be there to I'll be there to help. But it's exciting. I think the next chapter of NMPCTC is really exciting. And I'd love for you to talk. You don't move anywhere, John. I'm I'm happy to 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 wear the mantle, if it, if if you will. But um, <laughs> uh, so happy to have an executive director in uh, Mary Alice, who definitely deserves a shout out. Who is definitely a thought leader in this arena and um, really helping us as an organization become more effective and more robust. Um, I think we have a lot of victories to build on. I mean the effectiveness of the organization as an advocacy body, which we didn't really talk about advocacy, but the relationships that Dr. Andazol and others have fostered with powerful allies in government, like the Human Services Department, who 
uh, really financially steward and care for you know half of New Mexicans. Um, really, really powerful ally, and they understand how what what role primary care you know uh, fills in that. So, you know, really groundbreaking and and progressive legislation um, that allowed us to enhance funding rates and remove one you know but huge barrier uh, to placing residencies in rural communities. Um, as you alluded to, you know, we have, have had some hiccups in, in, in programs closing. So trying to identify barriers to reopening in those places, um, and then ensure that some of our new startup programs like the El Centro, Medico Estelo Central program in Española, um, get off the ground and, and, uh, stay very robust from day one, um, exploring psychiatry as an absolutely imperative component to, primary care in New Mexico. Um, so really excited about uh, the psychiatric residency program that may emerge down south, um, hugely needed again. Um, we'd love to have more engagement from internal medicine and pediatrics as they play a huge role as well. And so continuing to build those bridges with those departments and identify leaders um, there about you know barriers to escalating the trainees that come out of those programs who are interested in primary care. Um, and then I think where it goes is, is how do we continue to foster faculty development, spreading best practices, sharing more didactic content? Uh, we already do a great job of sharing recruitment strategies and best practices in identifying uh, residents and trainees who are more likely to stay in rural New Mexico, uh, partnering with our relatively new uh, medical college in Burrell. Um, and so I think that there's there's lots of great work to continue to do. We have more robust staff that has great skill set that I'm, I'm such as yourself, Mario. By the way, um, that I can't wait to see what ideas you bring to the table and continue to kind of build our toolkit, so to speak. Because you know, as family docs, although we are kind of jack of all trades, master of none, you know, we don't get training in. Uh, you know, use of social media and recruitment and and things like that. And so, you know, we can have this shared infrastructure that benefits all programs and really all residents and trainees. Um, I, I'd love to share the anecdote that our residency being in Santa Fe has a really robust legislative health curriculum and advocacy curriculum. And it's, it's kind of undergoing this renaissance and resurgence as the residents really take ownership over it. And they look at the at what the consortium's been able to do, and leveraging the the um, the power of the relationship with HSD, and and just seeing that the the advocacy wins that spending time in that arena really isn't fruitless. Like you know the system would have you believe politics is is politics and hands off you know leave it to the professionals. Um, they really see advocacy as as something that they can influence and directly impact you know, both their training, but the health of their com communities. So um, continuing to to build on that win and, and help spread that, um, you know, advocacy and legislative health curriculum to, the, to all the residents and all the programs. Um, so I think we have a lot of great work identified and, and um, you know, no shortage of, of ways to, to keep moving. Um, I also would, would just mention the, the, the pathway and, and the developing recruitment um, is definitely a huge mission that we have to, to focus on too, because we want folks from all rural communities to believe that they can become physicians and help them to do that. Um, 
And so there's lots of, of things to do. There's no shortage of partners in this work and um, just really excited at all, all the possibilities and how to how to kind of triage that, I think, is a more important <laughs> thing that uh, I'm working on in my mind. No, I absolutely agree. And it's exciting. It really is. And I agree with the triage, like what comes next? (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I did want to ask, and it's, it's kind of this, uh, I don't want to say mantra, but it's kind of this, this saying that we have, you know, in some of the meetings and it's the concept of relentless incrementalism. And uh, can you explain what that is and how it applies to what we do at the NMPCTC? Dude, I love, I love that. Um, yeah. You know, I think, oh, I don't even, I don't, it's like my brain isn't working, but I, um, I love that term. And quite frankly, it's funny because when I try to use it, people have to remind me of the words. So, but <laughs> if the thing is, is that it's one step at a time, you know, and yeah. it's little forward steps. And, you know, you've heard of that baby steps, but it's not, it's relentless. It's not giving up. It's not letting those barriers get in the way. And I think that's really, really important because there are a lot of barriers and we have to redesign the system. I think Mac mentioned early on, you know, the system is is perverse (laughs) and it doesn't support the the physicians who make the communities healthier, right? And it doesn't support the growth of those physicians and innovation in those organizations. It, it, it supports the opposite, right? It supports people who are treating illness and you get more financial return for illness. And that's not what should be happening. And so we have to be relentless in addressing those barriers and getting more um, primary care physicians. And it's not just primary care physicians, getting more physicians that the community need. So psychiatrists, pediatricians, et cetera, that are going to keep people healthy that are going to make a difference in the community and what's nice and i love that this was said previously is the state of new mexico hsd medicaid they're allies and they see the value in exactly what we're talking about and so it's being relentless in addressing every single barrier and taking that next step and address that next barrier and take that next step and i think and i think npctc where we've come from and where we're going is an example of that. I think it really has been. Um, I don't know, Mac, did you want to add any extra extra to that? It's hard to talk about radical change when you're talking about people's health. And so it can be the easy target to just say, we need to blow up the system. But, you know, there's too much infrastructure that, uh, you know, requires uh, redistribution, I would say. So I think radical incrementalism from a pragmatic standpoint is just how how we have to move, right? And we're just relentless because we won't stop until health promotion and not disease, you know, mitigation is what we're all about, right? Until we get upstream of these issues, um, until we have, you know, a war chest of tools to help patients in health promotion, um, you know, we won't stop because social determinants of health and all those things are oftentimes our biggest challenge. And so we just need to keep going until we are better supporting health and wellness in our communities. Um, so 
I think ultimately it's the health of the community and that's what we're looking for, a healthier New Mexico. And so, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think you got two fighters here that are going to keep it moving forward, but it's <laughs> not just us. It's not just as Max said, this organization is, is, um, staffed by some of the most incredible people in the state of New Mexico. I'm really be, I'm really proud to be part of that. Absolutely. We're getting close to the end of our, you know, uh, 10th year celebration. Where do you hope to see the consortium 10 years later? Wow. Well, I think, I think we talked a lot about that, but I would like us to have established programs in rural communities, healthy programs in rural communities. Um, 10 years from now, we can have demonstrated that we're not only training doctors, but retaining doctors for those communities. Um, 10 years from now, I would like us to have a pipeline developed that takes um, talented people from those communities and supports them through their education um, to be educated in New Mexico um, and to return to our residencies in New Mexico and stay in New Mexico. Because um, we know we know that 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 will provide the best outcomes for our, for our communities. I'd love to see that. And I'd like the NMPCTC to be the conduit of helping programs maintain that um, uh, to be sustainable, but not only sustainable, but to be strong, you know? And so, and I think NMPCTC can help be at that point where they're, they're um, you know, really um, a source of, of resource um, for community programs um, so they can maintain a high quality, a high quality education um, for the residents that they're training. That's kind of what I'm, that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Heck yeah. I would, um, I, I'd like to see how we could broaden the consortium, see if we can get, you know, some nurse practitioner training programs represented in here, PA training program in here. If we can be a repository for all the educational opportunities and rotations in the state, we can facilitate, you know, primary care docs that are that are retiring from a private practice who want to recruit somebody to take over. You know, I, I see a lot of potential in, um, you know, in us being able to um, consult when communities are in need um, and how to help them deliver infrastructure. So, you know, I think that in 10 years, we could have 300 primary care residents training in New Mexico um, and hopefully really financially stable programs that are not getting cut. I'd love to see no more turnover in programs, um, no more shuttered doors, but but rather more expanded doors. So, you know, all those things. Awesome. I agree. All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts? I want to say just kudos to Dr. Andazola for his vision. Um, it's kind of a, it's a tough concept to wrap your mind around when everybody's busy in their own program. There's enough work to just focus on what's, what your own community is all about. Um, but this is really like a nation leading kind of uh, endeavor here. And the ACGME in, in the last set of guidelines last year basically said that we want you to start engaging in regional consortia, educational consortia. And guess what? We have a decade's worth of experience in that now. Uh, whereas some other states, they have to kind of come up with this, right? De novo. Um, and so I cannot believe how prescient 
that group was um, and given us just this incredible runway and, and talent and, and, and institutional knowledge that we get to continue to build. So um, I just want to thank John from the bottom of my heart for being a mentor and, uh, and a visionary. Well, my pleasure. And uh, you know what? I mean, since, uh, uh, since, since the day you came on board, I've heard your name. <laughs> and like, I think, um, yeah, you're the next generation of this, dude. I'm excited about that. So let's keep, let's keep building this. I'm excited about that. You betcha, brother. All right. All right. So on that note, we'll go ahead and close out today's episode. Dr. Andazola, Dr. Bowen, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's been Thanks, Mara. It was really fun. We'll look forward to the next one. As the sun sets in our debut episode of Puentes, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our distinguished guests, Dr. John Andazola and Dr. William Mac Bowen. Their insights today have truly laid the foundation for understanding not only the legacy of the consortium, but also the promising future ahead. For those of you looking to dive deeper and learn more, I encourage you to visit the consortium's website at NewMexicoResidencies.org. There you'll find information on primary care residency programs throughout the state, valuable faculty development resources, and so much more to enrich your understanding of primary care in New Mexico. And don't forget to stay up to date on all things NMPCTC by following us on X, Facebook, and Instagram at NMPCTC. We have many more stories to share, voices to amplify, and bridges to cross together in our upcoming episodes, and we hope that you'll join us again. Thank you for listening, and here's to many more explorations ahead. Until next time, keep building bridges and staying connected. This is Puentes.